2: mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and antigenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change, with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country, and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone had an amazing day. It's, it's Yesterday was hump day. And that's right. Today is Thursday, June 22nd. And today is National HVAC Technician Day because you can't live in America without air conditioning. Along with National Onion Rings Day, National Chocolate Eclair Day, Wild National,
1: Stars, meet yourself.
2: National Kissing Day, and World Rainforest Day. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, sh- and subs- share, and subscribe on all to, all to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter Spaces. And you can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live right on the Internet. Oh, yeah. Enrico Lamite is going to be a little bit late today, so I'm going to kick it off with my story. So here, here, here we go, you guys. Oh, yes. Watch out, Wisconsin, because the cops are definitely going to be coming for your weed because a scent like marijuana enough to warrant police search, Wisconsin Supreme Court rules. That's right. A car smelling like marijuana is enough for police in Wisconsin to justify searching a person in the vehicle, even though substances legal in the state can smell the same, the state Supreme Court said on Tuesday. The court's conservative majority ruled four to three that Marshfield police had grounds to search the driver of a vehicle that smelled like marijuana, overturn, overturning lower court rulings that said officers could be sure that what they smelled was not CBD. Illegal, how they were, how they were sure of that is baffling to me, but nonetheless, illegal marijuana derived substance, the sense of CBD and marijuana are indistinguishable. Two officers searched Quaham Moore in 2019, who was alone in a vehicle that smelled like marijuana when he was pulled over for speeding. Moore told police that a vaping device he had contained he had contained CBD and that the car was a rental belonging to his brother. Police did not smell marijuana on Moore and Moore argued in court that police had no reason to believe he was responsible for that smell. To justify searching someone, police need enough evidence to believe that that person has likely committed a crime. When they obtain more evidence through an illegal search, it's not allowed to be used in court. Moore was never charged with possessing marijuana, but officers charged him with possessing narcotics when they discovered small bags of cocaine and fentanyl in his pocket during their search. Moore's attorney, Joshua Hargrove, did not immediately return a call on Tuesday seeking comment as circuit court judge and an appeals court had previously moved to disqualify the drugs that police found, saying the search wasn't legal. Justice Brian Hagedorn, who issued Tuesday's opinion on behalf of the court's conservative majority, wrote that because Moore was the only person in the car, police could reasonably assume he was probably connected with the illegal substance the officers identified Tuesday's ruling referenced a 1999 Supreme Court decision that said officers were were justified in arresting a driver because they linked the smell of marijuana from his vehicle to him. That opinion said that the unsmoked or unmistakable smell of a controlled substance was evidence that a crime had been committed. But the court's three liberal ju- liberal justices called that ruling into question, saying it was outdated and did not account for for the subsequent legalization of substances that smell like marijuana. They also said officers did not have strong evidence that Moore had caused the odor in the car he was driving. And in a quote, officers who believe they smell marijuana coming from a vehicle may just as likely be smelling raw or smoked hemp, which is not criminally criminal activity. Justice Rebecca Frank Dallet wrote in a dissenting opinion. The ruling comes as Democrats and Republicans in Wisconsin continue to fight over legalizing cannabis and Republicans who control the legislature have rejected Democratic Governor Tony Evers' attempts to legalize adult use cannabis. But GOP Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said in April he was working on legislation to legalize medical cannabis as soon as this fall. Marijuana has been legal in neighboring Michigan and Illinois for years and will become legal in Minnesota in August under legislation passed last month. Well, 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 the cops are talking about they can search your car and have probable cause in, in this state for just smelling like weed. So I guess don't go and buy that OG Kush cologne and drive your car in this state, but I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say. And this is Jason Beck for the high at nine news hour. What do y'all think?
3: I don't see how they get around the, the whole, I mean, if you can, you can go into dispensaries and, and, and buy smokable hemp and, and that Delta eight. So temp, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It sounds like uh that's going to fail in court.
2: I mean, I just think all the activists, if they really wanted to right now, they need to just go and just get a whole bunch of rental cars, make sure that there's nothing inside of them, and then just drive them crazy and have just sprayed smell of marijuana odor all over the car and then just keep on causing them to search all these cars and never find anything, and eventually they're going to lose, they're going to get tired of it. No,
0: they're just going to plant stuff, Jason, come on. (laughs) <laughs> right. well they would have yeah, to have i don't
1: know if that's the smoothest way to they fight would have this to have shit to plan
0: this is actually important because i mean in multiple states where we've said smell is not uh you know a, a reason to search california being one many other states it really does prohibit uh you know the excessive uh you know well listen you have an open container i mean you have a package of, of flour in your car therefore we're going to get you for driving under the influencer and that is what happens and so um y- you can see the police state is really itching for the ability to torment drivers throughout this country and, and continue their arrest and-, and-, and it was a way to really measure their effectiveness which is tormenting us
2: very very true very very true man i i i think this is this is a big uh miss uh or you know back back step back pedal um, for our criminal justice system. We've seen a number of states come, come forward and say that the smell of cannabis is not probable cause of search a vehicle. And here we go having this new state saying, hey, guess what? It still is here.
0: Hey, hey listen, and every, we should give a shout out to the Pop Brothers who are on the show. Mark's is on. I don't know if Craig's been on yet. Um, you know, really raising awareness in this area and the rights of drivers to not speak, invoke the fifth is so important because the police just straight up lie to you. Um, And it's not worth being nice to them because they simply are there to get you in trouble because that's how they get measured.
1: Well, and I think it's important for people to also remember that uh, you have to be cognizant of what state you're in um, when you're going through these places. Just because good old Maryland decided, you know, this isn't an issue anymore. If you're on vacation, I don't know why you'd go on vacation in Wisconsin, but with the hay um (laughs) these are things you need to be mindful of i mean just because your state might be progressive and on board i've had plenty of friends who've gotten in trouble because they did something in colorado and tried to bring it home to somewhere in like virginia um and it did not fly Mm -hmm. um and they got a lot of trouble um people need to remember just because leaps have been made in a few states i mean it's still federally legal and the cops are still doing whatever the f they want
2: that's
4: uh, sad because i'm from wisconsin believe it or not (laughs) milwaukee in the house but uh yeah it, it just feels like our the state uh my home state is moving backwards because after the bucks won the championship believe it or not they started allowing people to just openly drink in public which was not allowed when i was a kid you know or when i was growing up there in wisconsin but Um, Yeah, now you can drink openly and jump in your car and drive, but you better not have a joint on you or else, you know, you're getting thrown in jail. So it's just sad. But also they have a um, sunset law in in Wisconsin where after 9 p.m., alcohol is not sold. So as progressive as it seems, they're very um, restrictive on people's freedoms and liberties.
0: No, right. We actually have chapters in in, uh, Wisconsin. It is one state where I say it is most difficult for our veterans to find medicine and use medicine in a way that keeps them out of trouble.
2: Interesting. 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 You have any thoughts on this, Rico?
5: Wisconsin,
2: man. Wisconsin Wisconsin Supreme Court just ruled that the smell of marijuana is still probable cause to search your vehicle.
5: It's Wisconsin, it's the flatland, Virginia. Oh boy! Really, <laughs> all you can say, you know? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I think that you know, it's they're still moving in the right direction, but they're doing it a lot slower. Um, they're just gonna be—I I don't know, man. Wisconsin is backwards in a lot of ways. They shouldn't be backwards, but. I don't know. Any kind of progress is, is progress, I guess, but it, I think it's stupid. I, I it's have stupid. a
1: question for some of our more avid consumers. Um, if you like to consume in your car, how long does the smell really stay?
2: It depends on the on the weather, for one. So, like, if you if you if, you, if you smoke, down. yeah, if you yeah, if, yeah roll if the you, windows
5: down, if you hot box in your
2: car, <laughs> yeah, that like, that, that on, depends man. too. If you hot box your car or not, there's a lot of different variables. But like, if you just smoked in your car and you roll your windows up and it's hot. That smell is just gonna just get stronger and stronger and stronger in your car.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Just don't have the AC on. Don't have the AC on. Recycle either.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't do do that. The real question is, can we smell it after a while? Because I don't even notice the smell anymore. So I'm like, oh, there's no weed smell, and everyone stares at me like I'm crazy. I,
2: I smell <laughs> weed every time I get in your car, Sean.
0: it it doesn't stick like cigarettes
2: you know no but i mean it it does have a distinct aroma that law enforcement says that this is that and and judges uh agree with them and people get prosecuted because of it
1: well right but i've been pulled over before and someone told me they could smell the alcohol on me and i'm like are you fucking kidding me and then the next thing, I'm out. I'm doing a sobriety <laughs> test on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I had one drink, one damn drink. Well,
2: well technically, so technically, I mean, a cop you can lied.
1: easily say, oh, "I smell it in there," and then you're screwed.
2: Oh, you, you, t- you technically oh, I lied. Dashcam video
5: of, of 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 Gretchen being pulled over. Do we have? Oh, though? I was oh, heated oh, when yeah. they did
1: this. The guy was scared <laughs> when he was done with me. He was scared. Hell yeah.
2: I don't know.
1: I started quoting stuff. I had people I was going to send after him.
0: You don't know who I know. My name's Gretchen. It,
1: uh, it was <laughs> snowing. He was like, do you know have issues that's going to keep you from walking a straight line? And mm-hmm. I was like, these four-inch heels aren't going to help. And it was, so we got all into it.
0: Gretchen, did you go full on Karen on the
1: cop? I did not go full on Karen, but I, I let him know that I know people.
2: That was a very urban you know, butt Karen, right there. You, you,
5: You're not Karen, but you will call her. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Shit, I don't even remember. 2003. That was quite a while ago. All right. Well, haven't been pulled over since yeah, for right. that type of offense. Jag off, and then he gave me a warning because my tail light was out. That's the whole reason he pulled me over.
2: Well, don't have your taillights oh. out. He saw them bang. I didn't
1: know my tail light was out. Them bangs
2: were banging. Exactly. Oh yes. Coming up next. That's right. We have the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamite the Quasimodo caretaker and the dope dad himself who loves to flip flop and backstroke all around cannabis policy. That's right. It's the dope dad himself, Rico oh, man!
5: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. I'm not the the flip flopper in chief. We're going to talk about that guy today. <laughs> Mr. Confidence man himself. It's not who you guys think. We're going to talk about confidence, though. Confidence, the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. Firm trust. A lack of confidence could mean losing out on major deals and or opportunities. Displaying the proper amount will make you or make people go to bat for you. It's the reason bettors put their money up behind prize fighters and athletes, why voters back candidates and whether the skills you actually possess qualify you for that specific task or position or not. That's another conversation, but either way, confidence is the hype at the core of how we decide to move forward. Many would argue Donald Trump's confidence alone is what won him the presidency and most likely the reason folks still back the former president despite his current legal entanglements. Um, but Senate, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, on the other hand, is not the first name that comes to mind when you think about confidence. Not at least the first person um, that comes to mind to believe when they tell you that they're quote unquote confident that something will happen because he doesn't have the best track record 2016. He was confident the FBI's last minute comments on Hillary Clinton would not affect her guaranteed outcome of democratic victory 2017. He was confident Democrats had the votes to to block Neil Gorsuch becoming Supreme court justice. And now he said he's confident Congress will be able to pass a bipartisan cannabis bank bill this session should we believe him this round other Democratic senators have echoed his sentiments uh, but we've heard that before as well maybe the fact that this time he or the expressed said confidence to the first or he expressed said confidence to the first black woman retail owner in the country Wanda James right before heading into Juneteenth weekend maybe it's different this time you can't lie like that to a black woman entrepreneur right before black economic justice weekend right i don't know but according to a marijuana moment after speaking at an event focused on higher education last week schumer was approached by the ceo of the colorado-based cannabis company simply pure wanda james who became the first black woman in the country to own a licensed marijuana dispensary in 2009 Um, in a phone interview she had with marijuana moment last week. She spoke with the majority, she said she spoke with the majority leader about the Safe Banking Act and expressed how black entrepreneurs in the industry are broadly supportive of the uh, incremental reform to free up banks and credit unions to work with state licensed cannabis businesses. Schumer appeared confident that the marijuana bill, which had received uh, initial hearing in the Senate Banking Committee last month, will advance and will be enacted this year, according to to James, who emphasized that the brief chat with the, with the minority leader was not, or with the majority leader was not a formal sit down with him and his staff. Schumer did note that in the discussion that there's enough Republican support in Senate to move safe banking to the House, where it's passed seven times up to this point. From my conversation that I briefly had with Senator Schumer, as well as separate discussions with Senators John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett um, during the trip to D.C., I'm. Of the opinion that our Democratic leadership believes that this is something that we can get done. That's what she said. Safe Bank has been on a thorn in the side of many operators looking to just turn the page and move forward with smaller victories that will benefit most after losing the battle on larger ones that had benefit few. So my question is, should we trust Senator Schumer's confidence at this point, or is it just more of the same? I'm Rico Lamit, dopest dad on the street. What do y'all think about this one? Safe banking going to be passed this session due to Schumer's confidence
2: vote here? In theory. I I hope Mm -hmm. it does, but I have zero confidence in Senator Schumer personally. Absolutely none.
1: Logistically, the two bills that come before safe went through markup yesterday. So there is nothing to stop safe from going through markup next, which is what it should be doing uh, in the banking committee. Uh, from what I understand on the Hill, I was there this morning, they are looking to get SAFE passed before August recess. Um, And that is what they're trying to do. Now, for that to happen, SAFE needs to stay as SAFE is. If things start getting added, amendments and all sorts of, you know, parts for social equity and all sorts of other things get loaded into this bill, it's not going to happen. There are Republican votes now for how SAFE is. If you want to load it up and hope it's going to be a vehicle for other things in cannabis, it's going to go down. But in theory, it's on the path to get done before August.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I was reading an article, Gretchen, the other day, and, and it was saying there's like 10 to 15 Republicans that are, that, are, that are willing to vote yes on safe banking as is.
1: I'd put the number at 20, 25.
2: Mm, look at that, 2025. There
1: are lots of senators in the cannabis closet.
0: Oh what would stop What would stop it from moving forward, Gretchen?
1: Too many amendments.
0: The, social, the DPA the, get in their way and put in all the crap they believe in there. Yeah, all the social the justice safe will go.
1: It'll go. Will it actually get passed? Is the question? Sherrod Sher Brown is has it next up in his committee to be marked up. It should happen if Schumer is confident. He's a man who brings the stuff to the floor for a vote. Um. So. There's no reason that it should not come to the floor for a vote. The question is, if a ton of stuff gets added in, will it get passed? You, and I would, would say be, no. Who
2: do you think would be the most likely um, senator to add amendments in at this point in time, Gretchen? If if someone was going to do that.
1: I mean, it truly depends on what you're pushing. If you want to push social equity and those sorts of things. If you're looking, the folks who've already put it out there, Merkley, Wyden, Daines, they are not going to add stuff because they know what's on the line. Um, truly, it's the foundation needs to be passed to move forward. And I know this industry hates piecemeal, and they want to just go all or nothing. If they go all or nothing on safe, they're going to get nothing. That's what's going to happen in the Senate, guaranteed.
0: Can we guaranteed. trust the the insane left, and I'm a progressive, but the Blumenauer crew that uses cannabis as, as uh, a... a, a how do I say it, as a train for their progressive views, not necessarily putting a smart policy in place for a stable market. That's what we're talking about. Is it Blumenauer? Are they going to be able to let SAFE uh, pass alone and not attach anything? Because we know nothing they're putting forward is going to actually get passed.
1: Um, no, I think it's possible. I mean, they're the guys who've gotten it passed seven times. Um, So I think Blumenauer understands that need what these politicians need to be working with these groups who are looking for certain social equity provisions and other things need to be looking at other pieces of legislation to do that. Um, What we need from safe is showing that the federal government is actually going to take action on behalf of this industry. That's what safe provides for us. The actual effectiveness of safe can easily be debated. um, And many will say it doesn't do enough. It doesn't do jack. Um, I think this the is real issue that's going to hit this industry this year, is the rescheduling uh, coming from Becerra. That's what's going to matter.
2: Mm-hmm. That is going to be the biggest thing that matters. But if we get safe banking, at least we can kind of win.
1: Safe is a, is a huge win if it happens, truly. It is federal legalization that is acknowledging this industry on a federal level. And a major issue that it is facing is the banking side. It is, truly.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I agree It's with that. a win. I hope it passes. I, I hope safe banking passes. And I hope uh, the DEA backslaps Javier Becerra and says no rescheduling at all for cannabis.
1: Well, I wouldn't pass the DEA. <laughs> I think they may.
2: Yeah. What if
5: they pass safe banking and they don't, they don't feel the need to pass anything else? What happens then?
1: Uh, I would say that's par for the course. I think I don't think you're going to get two pieces of major cannabis legislation this year. No.
2: No, not a chance. Not
1: I a think chance. safe is going to happen before August. I think you're going to have a bunch of other yipping and jabbing, you know, by the end of the year, but nothing major is going to happen. No, I think you want to make major change that's going to, have to come in the next Congress.
5: Hmm. I think I think it might accelerate the inevitable, and a lot of people are going to hurt because of it. I think it's one of those things you got to be careful what you wish for. Um, but
1: when you, you say that it's, it's like safe do doesn't do enough to really impact the future, frankly.
5: It'll open up opportunities for more discrimination because the banking industry inherently is, is not in favor of people of color or communities of color. They get, they get the, the, the raw end of the deal um, every single time. And when it comes to cannabis, it's not going to be any different. Um, I don't think it's going to be, I think it might even stand to be worse. You can see more discrimination of who's getting, uh, these banking deals. Who's going to get these money deals than you've seen before because you have cannabis, you have the other level on top of, uh, structural. What, um, what and banking deals
1: do you racism. mean? Do you mean like loans? Is that what you're referring yeah. to?
5: Mm-hmm. Yes. Loans. Um, yeah, loans, uh, uh, deposits, like any of that stuff is going to be high. going to be scrutinized on a higher level when you have black and brown operators trying to do the same thing that white operators are doing. That's just the way the banking system works now in mainstream America. And up when an we en- Yeah, it, when we uh, when we enter cannabis, that's a whole that's a whole new level that they uh, that they have to scrutinize now.
2: So-
4: what, what what were you saying, Nick? I said just even opening up an account. You can be discriminated against as being a black person. I mean, it's not spoke about a lot, but um, I believe the U.S. bank right now is even being sued over it. There's a civil suit against them over discriminating against black people for either uh, not allowing them to open an account or if they do have an account, um, you know, being prejudiced against them doing banking activities such as even going and cashing their payroll check even though they have an account. So it's like um those sort of micro uh aggressions against black people do exist on a day-to-day basis, but um Rico's absolutely right. It will be exacerbated once this bill goes through. If and when it happens, you know, it's just going to be a tale of the richer getting richer and the poor getting poorer. And the black people are definitely on the bottom end of that totem pole, unfortunately.
1: Okay, that's why well,
4: don't see a lot of black people in the I hear
1: But I have spoken with a number of minority business owners who are hopeful for this to go through. Yeah, and that's the, it will help them
4: business. You know, wheel. But I'm talking about the small guy. The The mom and pops that got screwed out of this whole Prop 64 deal from the start. And that's not only black people, you know what I'm saying? That's a a lot of white people too here in the state of California and Hispanic and everybody in between. So that's what I'm saying is, when it comes to big business, we know that it's majority white. You've even said it before, Gretchen, that...
1: I'm not talking know, about big business. I'm talking about small business owners think this will help them. That's
4: what this is going to benefit, is big business. We know it.
1: Big business and, has already got their money, yeah, big got their banking. Already, yeah, they, they don't already, uh, need yeah. that's
5: part
4: we'll of more.
1: Go
0: I'm going to disagree Sean. big business does not have its money. Um you may have people like Boris who have 100 plus million in cash on the balance sheet but take some big companies that seem successful in California that are expanding. I mean bottom line is the growers are borrowing from the tax rolls and not paying the government. They're not paying their customers, you know, distributors are are, you know, taking you know dispensers are taking 45 60 90 days to pay the distributor and then it's two to four weeks for the distributor to pay a brand um the, the reality is the hope is safe banking will open up financing which is shut down in cannabis i think part of the problem you guys are talking about is that we're dealing with a broken model that not only has to do with cannabis but it's a, it's a limited license. Adam Berman said at MedMen when Jim Cramer on CNBC in 2016 said, why should I invest in these companies? They're already expensive and aren't making money. And and, and Berman said to, to Mr. Cramer, he said, because this is awesome. We have the most limited licensing and strict zoning uh, control in the world, seeming that I got my golden ticket and no one else can come in. So you're not going to get what you want, which is this diverse a uh, group uh, of business owners and small business owners when the damn thing is set up for an, an oligarchy and so it's not just safe banking but it's the system is broken and to be honest with you there's an argument to be made i hope safe banking doesn't pass this whole thing needs to implode and it is you just saw herbal the largest distributor in california wet belly up 700 million in bills dude they're not paying people there's going to be a ripple effect there this has a lot more to do with safe banking and there's an argument safe banking is not going to matter that the system is so poorly put together by people like dpa and ethan nadelman and they so screwed this up that safe banking won't save it that being said if you want cannabis to proceed safe banking is probably the best way to get small business people an opportunity because right now, even the good guys can't, and when I big guys, people who are operating with the pedigrees that they have, can't raise money. Glasshouse just did 24% paper. That is not sustainable.
2: 24% paper. All right. Well, seeing as how we it's 70, it's 76% wood. Oh, God. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Well, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, coming up next. (laughs) I know. That's right. It's the mouth that was just talking. That's right. He's the veteran, the president of Weed for Warriors. That's right. It's Mr. Sean Kiernan.
0: We're here. I'm going to talk about there's an article out in Cal Matters addressing this point right now and that's this morning by a, a guest commentator from the California Cannabis Industry Association, so Tiffany Divott. So we actually have a forthright person at CCIA. That's a, a new thing, so it's glad to see this. But she comes out and says the following. Uh, bottom line is the chief financial officer of cannabis company Merimed was recently asked where her team was considering expanding. Her reply, not California. Susan Valera is not alone in that sentiment. Numerous well-capitalized businesses are pulling up stakes and abandoning substantial investments rather than face mountain losses. Many investors describe the market as brutal and toxic. Currently, two out of every three cannabis purchases are made in the illicit market. Evidence suggests that disparity is getting worse. Legal sales have been on a two-year slide. Another symptom of turbulent times is business failures. About 15% of cultivators have surrendered their license this year. Others are letting fields go fallow, fallow being you're only growing a percentage of of your field, unable to fund this year's harvest. Things are no better further up the supply chain. A year ago, there was a robust brand community. In May 2022, there were close to 1,500 brands in the market. A year later, less than 1,000 remain, and it's going to get a lot less. Distributors are also struggling. A 2022 report estimates they are sitting on about $600 million in invoices that retailers are unable or unwilling to pay. As for California cannabis retailers, numerous industry observers are warning of yet another extinction event. The probable closure of hundreds of dispensaries will further destabilize the industry as farmers and manufacturers lose access to legal market customers. For all the talk of equity and the righting of wrongs of the drug war, all this is taking place in an industry without bankruptcy protections where individuals carry personal liability for business taxes and where businesses are barred from writing off normal expenses. In other words, behind the industry's potential demise are thousands of intimate personal stories of financial ruin. Prop 64, the 2016 initiative to legalize cannabis, began with a statement. It is the intent of the people to take marijuana production and sales out of the hands of the illegal market, to tax the growth and sale of marijuana in a way that drives out the illicit market. Our failure to achieve these voter-mandated goals is the root cause of much of the industry's distress. So what went wrong? With the benefit of hindsight, not everyone needed the benefit of hindsight. It's clear that Prop 64 had two fatal flaws. It has more. High taxes and local control. The state excise tax on a bottle of wine is four cents. For an eighth ounce of cannabis, it's four dollars and 90 cents or over 100 times more. Products are all subjected to countless local taxes. A single product may be taxed at cultivation, manufacturing, distribution and retail. Some jurisdictions even charge a road tax for merely transporting products. These taxes compound the supply chain, resulting in an aggregate burden that's 50% or more of the original price. That's hardly the way to drive out the illicit market. Absent larger tax reform, cracking down against illegal cannabis will continue to be a losing game of whack-a-mole. The second fatal flaw is local control or the requirement that cannabis businesses receive permits from both the local jurisdiction and the state. That sounds reasonable. No, it doesn't. But in practice, it's led to cannabis retail bans in much of the state. By allowing municipalities or nimbyism to opt out of legalization, the state has essentially ceded two-thirds of the market to criminals. In these dry zones, unregulated, untaxed, and untested cannabis is king, and consumers are still partying like it's 1999. Cannabis is one of California's great heritage industries, along with wine, technology, entertainment, entertainment, Industries we've nurtured and fostered with support, legislation, and regulation. By right, we should have a robust cannabis market that's posed to dominate in a post-legalization world. But achieving that will require immediate change to ensure legal cannabis is more expensive and less expensive for consumers. End of story and a little bit note here. Uh, There is talk about the legislature putting a fix on the ballot in the fall. We've been in discussion, and I think there's a high degree of chance that this happens. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now the question can be: Can the system be trusted to fix this mess, given their fingerprints are all over it? Signing off.
2: <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Trust the system.
5: Obey. Uh huh. Trust the system. Mm-hmm. Like I said, careful what you wish for.
2: <laughs> high, high taxes. Careful
5: what you wish for and then what's being pushed forward by these uh, legislators because um, it's not going to be what you want.
2: No, definitely not. These guys want these guys want to have a slush fund for all of their pet projects and everything and believe that cannabis is the piggy bank to fund all of that, but really all that they're doing is fueling the illicit market stronger and stronger, and less people are shopping in dispensaries more and more every day.
3: Isn't in 280E one of the, the biggest causes of the illicit market or helps feed it? What, what what do we need to do to make – no, it's not?
2: No. Is, is the federal hand not so big that it's not giving room no, for the no, local? No, no, no. He's, he, he, Stone, Stone, you are right, but the reality is you only pay your 280E taxes at the end of the year where all of these other taxes are paid at every single transaction throughout the year.
0: Gotcha. We have a systemic problem with Prop 64. This model that was put forward and followed in many states, and you're going to have the same problem you're mm-hmm. seeing in places like New York and everything. It is; They all should be renamed the Black Market, ELISA Market, however you want to address that, uh, Stimulation Act. And that's what this does. Because at the end of the day, uh, they used it and tried to get it capped to used as a funding source for their political persuasion. Uh, with high taxes capture it they thought it was going to be like the tech market right and in the bay area and it didn't turn out that way and it's systemic i mean let's look at distro the distro model's broken distributors are not even paying their taxes they're going belling up mm-hmm. you have shell distributors that are diverting everything to the illicit market now you have people having to decide i got dispensaries and they're saying i'm not even paying like herbal Why pay herbal when they're not going to give it to the brand I represent? Yet the law says you have to pay herbal, right? And so the thing is broken. We're grinding to a halt. Everything we told we were going to fix from the environmental policy to labor, you know, I think has been made worse. And at the core of this problem, we see a common problem. And that is college ed, people who are long on college education short on life experience, getting their way because money, whether it's their daddy's, the husband's, or their wife's is rich, uh, and, and, you know, and, and they, they, they don't know what they're talking about. End of story. And yet they're in positions of power. And that is people like Ivy League, Harry, you know, this, this Prop 64 was hatched at the Ivy League Harvard Club with Ethan Nadelman. These are trust fund kids. And money. if anything I've ever seen is don't trust a trust fund kid to have any correct perspective on anything in life.
2: Fair, fair, fair enough.
5: Don't there trust you. the trust fund kids.
0: Don't <laughs> trust
2: the trust fund kids. There's no trust. They're in trust elevated
0: funds. to positions of power they do not deserve if we live in a meritocracy. But, but Their you daddy's know money buys the position. And you think that's bad? Now you got Soros's kid, thirty-seven, inheriting twenty billion dollars, and he's going to be in charge of open bo- this that that thing. Oh, wait till he terrorizes half of the world with his bad policy.
2: We <laughs> brought it back to Soros. Oh man, I like how you did that there, Sean. We're gonna we're gonna go to a commercial. We're gonna be right back.
3: How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck, smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out.
2: oh yes and we're back and make sure that whatever you're doing you hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that like button as well make sure you head over to our website as well www.hiat9news.com make sure you check out our merch sign up for our newsletter and when you do sign up for our newsletter you will get a email confirmation in your inbox make sure you hit that because you will not be subscribed until then make sure you tell your friend about the show because we believe that organic growth is the best growth Keeping up to date on the evolving
5: policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. You're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. She is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and the Hyatt 9 News team's very own Washington Insider, known for dressing dogs up in crazy-looking outfits and also uh, going to bat for the establishment. <laughs> up next, bringing that Big Bang energy to the stage, it's Gretchen Galey.
1: Good afternoon. My headline comes from Sean's favorite, I want a moment, Um. And it is a look at California kind of following up on uh, what we discussed yesterday with Nevada. California Assembly Committee approves bill to legalize marijuana cafes that already passed Senate. California Assembly Committee has approved a Senate passed bill to legalize marijuana cafes, allowing dispensaries to offer non-cannabis food and drinks at their location if they receive local approval. About a month after the legislation from Senator Ben Allen cleared the Senate, the Assembly Business and Professions Committee advanced it on Tuesday in a 15-2 vote. The measure now heads to the Governmental Organization Committee before potentially moving to the floor. The bill is largely consistent with a set proposal to authorize cannabis cafes that passed on the Assembly floor late last month. Under the proposal, retailers and micro-businesses that receive authorization from local governments would be able to allow adults 21 and older to smoke, vaporize, and ingest cannabis products on their premises where visitors could also prepare and sell non-cannabis food or beverage products. Social use sites would need to restrict access to those under 21, keep cannabis consumption out of public view, and prohibit the use of alcohol and tobacco in order to obtain local approval. Localities could also allow for the sale of prepackaged, non-cannabis-infused, non-alcoholic food and beverage at licensed retailers if those conditions are met. One key difference between the Senate bill and the legislation that passed out of the Assembly last month is that the latter measure would further explicitly authorize live musical or other performances on the premises of a retailer or microbusiness licensed under the division in the area where the consumption of cannabis is allowed and the sale of tickets for those performances. Retailers and micro-businesses would be permitted to offer freshly prepared food and drinks, but both bills limit the sale of pre-packaged food to retailers, which is consistent with regulations that the State Department of Cannabis Control adopted late last year. There have been examples of California businesses that have found workarounds to permit on-site consumption while making food available to guests, but they've operated in a gray area, partnering with separately licensed records restaurants that receive the profits uh this goes on and on and on yada 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 uh my question would be to the california folks does this put a dent in helping the market move forward um do people really care to sit down and eat food at a cannabis cafe this is gretchen fry at nine news
2: oh yes hell yes they do gretchen Hell yes, because okay. when you smoke and you're sitting down and enjoying yourself, having a conversation with a friend and whatnot, you generally may want to probably order some food or a beverage to go along and wash your cotton mouth away or fill up your belly. And so, yes, I think this is a major win. I'm very glad that this is going forward. A lot of work uh, from what uh, uh, some of my friends in West Hollywood went, in, went into the creation of this bill and the and the moving forward of this bill, so I want to send a big congratulations to them and, uh, and, and then I totally, I totally support this bill. Um, the consumption lounges in West Hollywood with this bill passing will be able to have different types of special events, be able to sell tickets for those types of events, and on top of it, be able to offer food, which, you know, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I go to a lot of cannabis events. And let me tell you something. If there's not food at a cannabis event, people are leaving. People, you can, you might be. People may show up for a minute, but uh, they're, they're not. They're not there for more than an hour until they're like, "Oh, there ain't no food here. Oh, let's go. Let's go eat somewhere." And, well, and here's out. my
1: question. So, looking at this bill, it looks like they can add now these cafes onto dispensaries. Does this get you staying and hanging out at dispensaries? Is this no? Is no, that a place no, you no, want to no, hang it's,
2: out? No, 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 no. So, so that, that's a little confusing. So, what this okay. what, what this bill is for is for consumption lounges. So, if you have a dispensary that has a connected. Uh, uh, consumption lounge adjacent to it. This is where that 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 uh th- this bill would, would would take effect. It, it would, does not actually govern on the sales floor of a dispensary. So you would
1: say Tom Angel doesn't know Dick when it says allowing I dispensaries to yeah, offer non-cannabis. Sean, Sean I need Sean about that one. That's Sean yeah, he knows Dick. On He's a
5: liar.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's just a liar. <laughs>
5: I mean,
2: don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, this is this is a consumption lounge bill. This is not a dispensary. So bill. this is
1: not allowing dispensaries to add on cafes to their no locations. This is
2: not no no because no and and the reason the reason for that is that the consumption lounge license is something that only can be issued by a locality the state does not have a consumption lounge license it is all done on the local level so if a locality is permitting it then it's okay otherwise it's not permitted at all by the state
1: yes sean kiernan you I don't have to raise is- your hand you can just cut jason off anytime you like Yeah, yeah,
0: right. yeah right. <laughs> um i think it helps on the margin but it's not going to help fix the industry at all um, i think it helps some of the more densely populated areas like San Francisco, West Hollywood, where you also have, uh, you know, a lot of Dinkinism, dual income, no kids. So there's people who come spend that money. I mean, the cannabis is not cheap. The food's not cheap. This isn't going to be a middle class or poor area where people get together. Our veterans are not going to be going there spending that kind of money that you need to spend. But it does bring, you know, incremental margin, I think, to the uh, dispensary, and offers you know uh, an inflow of customers that may not come otherwise. What it really provides, in all reality, is is, is an
2: actual is an actual revenue stream for the consumption lounge because there's no consumption lounge that can just stand and operate as a standalone consumption lounge without other types of dual revenue streams coming into play. Facts. The rent is too damn high. That is so so true. And with that, we're gonna keep it rolling. <laughs> <coughs>
1: Oh,
2: oh! Yeah. Is that boofweed
1: getting to you, there, Jason?
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> you would not cough like that if it was boofweed. But <laughs> nonetheless, that's right. We have the governor himself. That's right. He is representing the black conservative voice that Joe Biden would love to silence for even. Acknowledging it exists. That's right. Here to change the narrative is none other than the governor himself. That's right. It is Nicholas Wildstar.
4: Yay. What's up? And I appreciate that intro, baby. Cannabis companies face a significant tax burden, paying an extra $1.8 billion compared to similar non-cannabis companies. This is due to a provision called 280E. In the federal tax code which was enacted in 1982 in response to a court case involving jeffrey edmondson again tax codes are not laws drug dealer from the 1970s that's who jeffrey edmondson was uh, the rule prevents cannabis businesses from deducting regular business expenses forcing them to pay taxes on their gross income rather than their net income. This places an additional strain on the already challenging task of making profits in the cannabis industry where companies face competition from the illicit market and declining wholesale prices. Despite the legalization of cannabis in many states, Congress has yet to address the issue of 280E leaving the burden on cannabis companies. The root of this tax burden again lies in the case of Jeffrey Edmondson, who attempted to deduct his business expenses as a drug dealer. Although Edmondson won his case in tax court, he later faced a criminal trial and was sentenced to prison. In response to the tax court's ruling, Congress passed 280E, which prohibits businesses selling Schedule I or II controlled substances, including cannabis from deducting regular business expenses. As a result, cannabis companies are required to pay federal taxes on their gross income, impacting their operating margins and hindering their ability to compete effectively. The issue of 280E remains unresolved and the burden continues to affect the cannabis industry. While states have collected billions of dollars in tax revenue from legal cannabis sales, the true impact of 280E on these revenues is unclear. Reforming 280E would require Congressional action, but proposed bills have yet to become law. As long as cannabis remains classified as a Schedule I or Schedule II drug and comprehensive cannabis reform legislation remains challenging to pass, 280E will remain in effect. Consequently, the federal government will continue to collect more taxes from the cannabis industry than from other similar size industries like the tech industry, like the auto industry, all due to the legacy of one drug dealer's attempt to deduct business expenses decades ago. And again, he won. (laughs) This is Nick Wildstar, a.k.a. the governor, screaming out at the top of his lungs that taxation is theft. Reporting from the high at nine news hours. Speak now or forever hold your peace.
2: I love that shirt. Taxationist. I love test. that shirt, Governor. Mm-hmm.
4: All day every day, and y'all know it too. When they bust up yes. dispensaries and stuff, that's your tax dollars at work. <laughs> when Art they shoot work. your dog, you know, simply for barking at them and coming onto your property, that's your taxes at mm-hmm. work.
0: Enjoy, taxpayer. Mm. <laughs> I remember that guy was actually a fire, and worked for the fire department at Cal Fire, which shows you the interagency connect how they all work together to oppress us. Well,
2: that's because they all ultimately have the same, the same, uh, same employer, which is the taxpayer.
0: Well, they also, I learned this when the DEA and about seventeen authority different uh, police authorities raided my house, put guns in my kid's face. Had two dogs. I told them to scream. They're safe. They're not things. I thought they were going to shoot them. Um, they all participate because anyone participate gets a percentage of the asset forfeiture. So there's an incentive for everyone to participate. It's like Christmas or, or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. Uh, it's like, oh, we get money. And, and that's why they do that.
4: They're all special agencies that are hired by city officials. You know, they aren't elected at all. You know, these are unionized um workforces that aren't open to the public you can't just go and apply you have to become a union member pass all of their you know hoops and <laughs> all of that good stuff before you can get the job and then when you get the job it's a close net you know that sort of thing so yeah taxes at work
0: i'm gonna make a, a prediction uh if two if safe banking passes and everyone goes 280 uh, sell that rally in the stocks,
2: and I still say short everything, short them all. But they will probably well, go up if safe banking Fort passes. <laughs> so it,
0: it costs will, a lot of money yes. to short and stay short in cannabis.
2: It will though. The, the stocks will definitely go up though if safe banking passes for sure. You can count on that without a doubt. And short it, sell it.
1: You'll see a bump. It ain't going to
2: yeah. last forever. Exactly. It's like a speed bump. It's Just a bump. Just mm-hmm. A baby. Little, little, little bump. little, baby
5: little bump bumps. off the top of a key. A huh? little bump off the top of your key.
0: Right? Hey, sometimes <laughs> a little bump's all you need. You need a lot more than a little bump.
5: <laughs> Get you through that last hour in the night. Tell you what. Tell you what. <laughs> all
4: right. Well, we're going to keep it moving on. All yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brenda, you ain't going to defend that you should pay your taxes before we go what's your, what's your point? what i said you're not going to defend that we should pay our taxes before we go
1: i can keep saying the same old thing you're never gonna oh. listen to me wild star pay your damn taxes <laughs> if you want to stay in business you want to stay out of jail I, I love how you pretend that you don't have to that it's not a law you bless your heart go for he it
0: Pay his taxes he's not in jail hunter biden Oh. Right. oh boy yeah you don't want to even we can get
1: into hunter way. biden if you like i have no problem talking about hunter biden jason's the one who's gonna be crying about hunter biden no i'm not i like
0: Hunter biden i have a lot a lot i can appreciate about him i bet i bet well but, but, you, know, but you know what like, like frankly the only
1: reason be... this went as far as it did is because his name is hunter biden exactly. a real person does not go to jail for this shit Deal are you saying it.
5: Hunter Biden ain't real well, I, I disagree if you pay your bills if you I pay mean,
1: back the IRS I, they generally don't throw you in jail
5: time out I, I got videos veteran. and photos that were found on his laptop show Hunter Biden to be one of the realest motherfuckers on there.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go. hey I can forgive him but I gotta be honest I got a black veteran under arrest in California mm-hmm. for a felony gun charge that's the exact same charge as Hunter Biden
1: what else did he do
0: that's he it. She.
1: That's the only charge.
0: He was a security at uh, marijuana uh, black market marijuana events, and they rounded up because he had what's called ghost guns, and the they've raided his house a few times, and every single time, every police officer there go, you wouldn't be in trouble in any other state. But the aggressive nature of the anti-gun nature in California, again, we are criminalizing good people and not really doing shit about the criminals. We're just creating another war. War on drugs, war on gun is the same war on poor people in America. And it's driven by the rich who like to play, you know, outrage games. And the people suffering are the people who have no power.
1: All right, Sovereign on that note, Stone Slade. Here
5: we go. Sovereign citizenship. I'm all for it. <laughs> all right. So a lot of folks today's a lot of folks today take the easy route, sink into new lows in life, while others, like our next correspondent, hit the high road. And he is the host of a show by the same damn name, representing the great purple state of Texas out of Austin, TX, where Delta Eight is flowing in abundance. You know who it is.
3: Stone Slade. Thank you, Rico. Jumping out of Texas and going to Missouri. Columbia, Missouri might not be the first place that comes to mind when you think of cannabis, but this vibrant college town is embracing the green revolution. Dispensaries are drawing in a diverse range of customers, defying stereotypes and surpassing expectations. Dispensaries in Columbia are attracting customers of all ages. Uh, Excuse me. I just did that line. As the legalization of cannabis sweeps through the state, sales remain consistent across all age groups, unveiling a diverse community of cannabis enthusiasts. Matthew Gardner, a 29-year-old supervisor at Shangri-La Dispensary, comments on the changing landscape, saying stigma around adult-use cannabis consumption is evolving alongside the changing tides. We're seeing a shift in attitudes. Garner is responsible for ensuring compliance and providing support to both employees and customers emphasizes the intentional efforts being made by the dispensary to remove the lingering stigma associated with cannabis. Since the availability of licenses for adult use cannabis sales, Shangri-La dispensary and others in the area have experienced remarkable uh, increases in business. Garner explains our patient flow has soared. It's as if we doubled or tripled our flow of patients. The dispensary has created an environment that welcomes everyone transcending demographics and creating a sense of community. We're all about moving past slang and embracing the term cannabis. We want everyone to feel welcome and comfortable stepping into our dispensary. Gardner adds and emphasizing the dispensary's commitment to banishing negative connotations surrounding cannabis consumption. Contrary to popular popular belief, cannabis consu- consumption extends far beyond young adults. Recent research revealed that people of all ages are engaging in both adult use and medical cannabis. According to a study by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, the report, proportion of reported past year cannabis consumption among young adults reached 43% in 2021. However, Gardner notes that the customer base at Shangri La spans a wide range of ages, from 21 year olds to patients in their 70s and 80s. The dispensary caters to a diverse individuals uh, seeking the benefits of cannabis. Now, while The acceptance of cannabis among young age groups is on the rise. Dispensaries do face the challenges associated with relatively new legalization of adult use cannabis in Missouri. Underage customers attempting to purchase cannabis is a concern that dispensaries are actively addressing. Garner explains that Shangri La utilizes strict ID verification process, like all do, to, to ensure compliance with federal regulations. Sales, however, have remained consistent among legal age consumers, signaling the widespread appeal of cannabis across the community. We've built a community. It's not about one specific demographic. It's about embracing diversity. We welcome everyone from every part of town. It's pretty amazing. As researchers continue to uncover the potential therapeutic benefits of cannabis, more individuals across all age groups are turning to cannabis as an alternative treatment for various conditions. The availability of different cannabis products, such as edibles, gummies, and oils, provides further options for those who prefer alternatives to smoking due to health concerns or discomfort. Columbia, Missouri, is a shining example of the evolving cannabis landscape in America, with dispensaries like Shangri La leading the way. The social stigma surrounding cannabis is diminishing, making way for an inclusive community that appreciates the diverse benefits this plant has to offer. That's all I have for you today. This is
2: Stone from the Hyatt 9 News Hour. Missouri. It
3: like
2: oh, it's popping yeah.
3: in Columbia.
2: <laughs> Missouri a is popping, bro.
5: Billion <laughs> dollar industry <laughs> out in Missouri. Yeah. And they are... Um... Oh, yeah. And, and they have to offer a a, a, a little bit of clarity because we got into that last time about the billion dollars. They have raised a billion dollars since uh in medical and legal, and they're on track this year to uh, surpass a billion dollars in their first year of legally operating uh um a retail dispensaries. Uh, for a little clarification of our back and forth we had on that last time, Gretchen was right, like that, Gretchen. Like that, you see that, you see, <laughs> ran away. Where this
4: show me. State? This is, show me the money. <laughs> she, oh, she left early
5: before I can give her a, a little toss up there. You know? you know.
2: Oh man. We are
5: at. We are at the top of the hour. Um. Any last comments on that last one?
0: Missouri is crushing. That's about it. Hey. We're seeing. We're seeing a huge shift. I mean, I got to be honest. There's a lot of veterans that I served with who are you know 50 to 60 years old in the late 80s, early 90s who live in Missouri. And they're all smoking now. And these were heavy drinkers getting in trouble. And I probably have a dozen messages on whether it's Facebook or Instagram from people I served with who are like, brother, I've changed my mind. Thank you so much. It saved my life. And you know, one of the advantages of places like Missouri, you know, California's a different place. If you're in Texas or Missouri, you're and you were paying outrageous prices for illicit market weed back in when it was illegal and they're throwing you in jail. A high tax and tightly regulated market is still a lot better progress than where you were at, right? So we have to remember that these are state-by-state state, uh, judgments. The bar isn't the same location in judging your current situation. In, in Missouri, though, it's still expensive. The decriminalization of cannabis and the hearts and minds that it's changing, because there's a lot of people who won't use it unless it's legal, I can attest to uh, directly in the veteran population. A lot of rednecks have changed their mind. Is my point? That's, That's awesome.
5: awesome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I just hope they get the situation right on the on the uh, social justice side of the mm-hmm. thing. They're not calling it social equity out there. Yeah. We'll see if it happens. Socialist right, thank equity. Thank you all. What Was that
2: Jason? Socialist equity.
5: Socialist equity. Mm-hmm. You know it. Thank you all out there for joining us for another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team, tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective, viewer respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, 91 Club, all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on and keeping our av struggles to a minimum and
2: always the lovely jaja simone is she
5: over in twitter spaces now we just not not doing clubhouse i don't, I don't even know what's going on uh, um,
2: we, we, we sometimes we don't even know what's going on rico we're just we're, we're just no. growing as we oh, grow I
5: just, I just, chaos is the ladder
2: yes that's right <laughs> and we're climbing it all the way to the top
5: into <laughs> the haters out there we see you we hear you and we love you Keep on doing what you do because it makes us stronger every single day. Always cannabis sativa L the reason the high nine news team shows up every single day. We love you. And it has been Thursday, June 22nd, 2023 shows over. You've all been blessed with the top headlines of the day. Hope was enough for you to put in your, po- your pipe and smoke it until tomorrow at the very least. I'm Rico. Let the dopest dad on the street. And I'd like to give the outro today to stone Slade. What you got for these good people at home, my man.
3: man i knew you were gonna call on me and my mind went blank so don't know what to say get out there have a good day make it a green day and introduce somebody to cannabis